morning, and it is a beautiful day. Fanny Crosby, we sang one of her hymns this morning, and it is a wonderful hymn. She was either born blind or blind shortly after birth, and she rejoiced that the first thing that she might see is her Lord, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord Christ, and that would be the first thing that she laid eyes upon, would, would be her Savior. And it is uh, our Savior that this morning we will discuss. Will you open the Word of God this morning to the book of Leviticus? Leviticus chapter 16. Our text this morning will be verses 1 through 10. Here the Word of the living and the true God reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses, after the death of the two sons of Aaron, that is Nadab and Abihu, back in Leviticus chapter 10, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock, for a sin offering, and, for, and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat. He shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with the linen girdle, and with the linen miter shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats, that is, two baby goats, for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle and of the congregation, at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be pre presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. The Day of Atonement was one of the biggest days on the Jewish calendar. It still is to this day upon the, the traditional, the, the Orthodox Jewish calendar. It is still one of the biggest days. We may know it as Yom Kippur by its Hebrew name, the Day of Atonement. God gave them exactly how it was to be done. Down to the T, what was to be offered, when it, in what order it was supposed to be offered, and where it was supposed to be offered, and who was to do the offering, what clothes they were to wear. Everything was spelled out by the living and the true God. When he gave Moses the plans to build the tabernacle, he said, ensure that you build everything according to the pattern given to thee in the mount. There's a reason why God gave everything so specifically. As we go through this, this chapter, as we, as we note the sacrifices and the veil and, and who it was uh, that gave the sacrifices and, and what he was wearing, take note of those things and see if you can find that they might apply to someone else. And we'll go through who that someone else is. I've already told you who it might be. This, this morning, let us begin at verse 2 where we'll note the veil, the veil, where, where all it is, it is mentioned in this chapter. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Moses, 
Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil, that is, the holy of holies. The tabernacle and the temple were both set up in the same way, that there was a, a holy place, and then there was a most holy place within the veil. There were two areas within the temple and within the tabernacle. The tabernacle being the, the first, the temporary dwelling of God amongst the people of Israel, and the temple being the permanent, the permanent dwelling place amongst his people. Both of them were set up in the same manner, that they had a holy place that was outside the most holy place. The veil is what separated them. We'll we'll see that in just a moment. But the holy place within the veil, the most holy, the holy of holies, before the mercy seat, the mercy seat was, was in the holy place that is upon the ark, the ark of the covenant, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Drop down to verse 12, we'll see the veil mentioned again. He shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense shall be beaten, shall, uh, incense beaten small and bring it into the veil. Verse 15, then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat before and before the mercy seat. So the veil, sacrifices, and incense was to be offered within the veil, in the Holy of Holies. And that is not, that is where Aaron was to not go all the time, but once a year. Once a year he was to enter the holy place and the holy, the holy of holies, and perform what it is that God had described in this very section, in this very, in this very chapter. Exodus 26 teaches us, shows us that the veil is what separated the holy place from the most holy place. Exodus 26 and verse 33, this is part of the, the, the passage that, that God has given uh, the pattern to Moses of how to construct the tabernacle. And thou shalt hang upon the veil under the tashes that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, the ark of the covenant, and the, and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. There's the two areas within the tabernacle, the holy place and the most holy place, the holy of holies. And thou shalt put upon the mercy seat, upon the ark of the testimony, in the most holy place. Verse 34. The veil... It's what separated the two places within both the temple and the tabernacle when the temple was to be built by Solomon. We've noted the veil. We'll note the high priest and his garments. Notice in verse verse 4, it is Aaron. It is Aaron that is the high priest. Verse 4, the high priest, he shall put on the holy linen coat. He shall have the, the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle. And with a holy mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. This is not the normal attire for the the high priest. The high priest was to take off his normal attire, set them aside, and put on these linen garments. Linen was more common. Linen was a more common garment in that day. But notice the Lord says that they are holy. These are holy garments. They're still holy. They're not, they're not defiled. They're, they are still undefiled. They are holy garments, but more common. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water 
and so put them on. Come to Exodus, back to Exodus, chapter 28, where we'll note his normal attire, what it is that he was to normally wear. Exodus 28 and verse 2. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother. Notice what the purpose of those holy garments are for. For glory and for beauty. This, these are his, the, high, the high priest's normal attire. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in thee, the high priest, the priest's office. These garments, which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre and a girdle, they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in thee priest's office. They shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. That was what the garments were made of. Those fine, those fine threads, those uh, precious metals and stones, would, we won't go through, you may read through the rest of the chapter yourself and see how ornate that, that, that uh, uh, dressing was. That was what he was to wear all the time, except for the Day of Atonement. He was to take them off and set them aside, put on those more common garments, still holy, still undefiled, those linen garments, put them on for the Day of Atonement. Come back to Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 23. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. So he was to come in, take off his garments that were for glory and for beauty. He was to take them off, put on the more common garments perform the sacrifices. After those sacrifices had been offered, he was then to take off the more common, the linen garments, and put back on his garments that were for glory and for beauty. As I have mentioned, the Lord does not put filler in his word. This is for a purpose. This isn't just, preacher, why why are you talking about this so much? There's a purpose. There is, a, there is a purpose in everything that our Lord God does. He would take off the more ornate attire to perform the sacrifices and then put them back on after the sacrifices had been offered. The sacrifices, let's discuss them also. Come to verse 6 of Leviticus chapter 16. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering. Who is, who is that bull for? For himself. And make an atonement for himself and for his house. Drop down to verse 11. Verses 1 through 10 are a summary. I forgot to mention this earlier. Verses 1 through 10 are a brief summary of this entire chapter. Verses 11 through 34 give the details. And many times in in the Bible in general, but especially in the Old Testament, you get uh, an overview. And then you go back and get the details. That isn't, that isn't how we normally tell, tell stories or, or discuss things in our, in our common life. But that is how the Lord God does it in His Word in many, many instances. Revelation is one of, one of those in the New Testament that is very much that way. That you, you advance the narrative 
and you go back and you fill in the details. And then you advance the narrative again, go back and fill in the details, even though you are reading forward the entire time. You don't go back, you don't read chapter 10 and then go back and read chapter 9. You read chapter 9, that advances the narrative. I'm just, I don't know if those chapters are exact, I'm just giving an example. Read chapter 9, that advances the narrative. Chapter 10 goes back and fills in the details. That is what we have here. Verses 1 through 10 advance the narrative, provide a brief overview. All the rest of the verses go back and fill in the details. So verse 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. We're filling in the details. And shall make an atonement for himself and for his house. And shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. A constant, I don't know how many times it says for himself there. For himself, for himself, for himself. Verse 12, we continue the reading. And he shall take a censer full of the burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. And his, hand, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, bring it in within the veil. Bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Now, I'm not, a, uh, not an expert in biblical numerology, but I do know that the number seven, the God, uh, our, our God is consistent with how he uses the number seven. And it is always the number of completion. It is always the number of completion. When he, when he created the, the creation week, how many days are there in a week? And it was done. Seven. Seven days. Just an example of how seven is, a, is representative of completion. Here, seven times. Do we know anybody that said it's complete or something to that nature when his sacrifice was offered? I'll, I'm jumping ahead of myself. But you, may, you, can see, you can see where I'm going. It's an exciting study. So that sin, that sin offering, the high priest, it was said over and over and over again. It was for himself, for himself, for himself, make an atonement for himself, a sin offering for himself. Now we get to the, the sin offering for the people. Come back to chapter or, or, Leviticus six, 16, verse 7. He shall take the two goats. So the bullock was for himself. The two goats present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Why would, why would God have him cast lots and not just say, any, meeny, miny, mo, and he just gets to pick? Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast in the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. The Lord was in charge of, of the casting of the lot. Now, we, I don't know exactly, I don't know that anybody knows exactly what a lot was, but it's similar to flipping a coin. It's a probability. Men would say, oh, it's a probability. It's, a, it's a, like flipping a coin. It's 50% one way, 50% the other. But the Lord is in charge. We don't, we don't have control when we flip a coin. Same way with the casting of the lot. We didn't, they didn't have control over that. The Lord did. It was, the Lord did that so that the Lord would choose. So that the goat was the one that the Lord chose, not the one that men choose. A very important note that God chooses who his sac what his sacrifice is going to be. Drop down to verse 15, filling in the details. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do that 
do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat seven times, just as he did with the blood of the bullock. He shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Drop down to verse 18. He shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord. So he's offered the goat to the Lord, just as the, just as the Lord commanded him. He shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord, make an atonement for it, shall take of the blood of the bullock and the blood of the goat, put it upon the horns of the altar round about. He shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it, and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And uh, the scapegoat. So that was what he was to do with the blood of the bullock and the goat that is a sin offering for himself and for the people, respectively. Then we get to the third portion, the scapegoat. Verse 10 mentions, the, mentions a brief overview of what the scapegoat was to do. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat, remember two lots, one for the, one for the Lord, one for the scapegoat, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him, and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Drop down to verse 20. We, get the, we fill in the details. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place, and the tabernacle of the congregation, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both, hands upon his hand, uh, both of his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, in all their transgressions, in all their sins. What is that, what is that signifying? What, is it, what does it say? Putting them, the sins, the transgressions of the people of Israel, upon the head of the goat. It is signifying the imputation of sin. Now the goat is not an actual sacrifice. It could not take away sin. It made an atonement. It made a covering. It made a covering of sin. When, when Noah pitched the ark with pitch... You remember that in, at the beginning of Genesis 6 or 7? Noah pitched the ark with pitch. That first pitch, he pitched. He covered the ark with pitch. It's actually the same term rendered atonement here. He made a covering of the ark. He covered it with pitch as a type of tar to keep the water out. He covered the ark. This made a covering of sin that would delay judgment. It would not take away judgment. It delayed judgment. Uh, based on the covenant that God had made with Israel. It would not completely remove it. It just made judgment. It just sent it down another year. There would come a time when they would stop doing this, that, that judgment would fall. We read that in Jeremiah. They, they would eventually stop offering it also after the New Te or before the book of the Revelation was finished, but after the rest of the New Testament was accomplished, uh, was written down in A.D. 70. Judgment would fall upon them again. This was all the Mosaic Covenant, all about temporal, earthly blessing. You walk in my ways, I'll bless you. I'll bless you in the land. You'll have many children. You'll have a great harvest. Bless, blessed will you be when you go out, and blessed will you be when you come in. Uh, everything the, that they would do, the Lord would bless. But if they didn't walk in his ways, conditional, conditional earthly blessing. If they didn't, he would curse them. In the same way that he would bless them, he would curse them. They would have the exact opposite. 
the sky would be like iron and the, and the ground, the earth would be like brass, or maybe it was the earth would be like iron and the sky would be like brass. It wouldn't rain. The ground would be hard. They wouldn't have a harvest. How many times do we see that over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament? It was a conditional covenant that brought earthly, temporal blessing or cursing. That is what this was accomplishing, not, not the, the salvation that is brought by our Lord Christ. It was, or it was an earthly an earthly thing. But it is signifying the imputation of sin upon the head of the goat. And shall send him away by the hand of a fit man, or an, a man of opportunity, into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. And he shall let go the goat into the wilderness. All of this is very well and good to understand what it is that, that the Day of Atonement was and how they accomplished it. In summary, the high priest would come in to the tabernacle. He would take off his garments for glory and for beauty and would put on the more common garments, the linen, the linen garments that are, that are still considered holy. They are still considered undefiled by the, by the Lord. Then he would take a bullock, a bull, and he would take it into, uh, he, he, would, he would slay it, and he would take the blood into the Holy of Holies, sprinkle it on and before the mercy seat, along with the incense upon the fire that would create the smoke that would cover the mercy seat. Remember God said, I will appear in the smoke. God's glory appeared in the smoke. There he sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. That was for himself. Then he would go and get the two goats, cast the lots, the one, the one for the Lord and the one for the scapegoat. The one that was for the Lord, he would slay, take the blood into the holy place. This was the sacrifice for the people. First, the bullock was for himself. The goat was for the people. He would do the same thing, sprinkle the blood seven times on and before the mercy seat. The glory of God was still there in the smoke upon the mercy seat. Why sprinkle the blood? Upon the mercy seat, what was in the ark? The, te the, the tables of the Ten Commandments. When the blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat that, was, uh, that, was on, uh, that covered the ark, from God's perspective, blood covered the law. Blood covered the broken covenant. That was, that was uh, why he set it up in that very manner. Then the scapegoat. The scapegoat was then to be set into the wilderness, set into a, plan, into a land not inhabited, taken by a, by a man of opportunity, and he shall let him go into the wilderness. They would never see that, that scapegoat again. They would never see it ever again. It wouldn't come home. The Lord, even if the goat wanted to, the Lord would make sure of it, that it stayed, stayed away, that they never saw it again. Now there is one that said, search the scriptures. To the Pharisees, for in them you think ye have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Come to John 5.39 so that you may see that, that text for yourself. God didn't just give us, I, I know I, I, many Christians have failed reading through the Bible in a year because they, they read Genesis and all, there's a lot of stuff going on in Genesis. Exodus, there's, there's so much going on in Exodus, the... the, the uh, um, the giving of the law, the, the 
across, the taking the people of Israel across the Red Sea, the ten plagues, all of it's very exciting, and they get to Leviticus. Oh, that's hard reading. Hard to understand. There's a reason, though, folks. There's a reason it's given to us. Come to John 5.39. So that you may see exactly the text that I was just referencing. Here, Christ, if you have a red-letter Bible, you see that it is being spoken by our Lord Christ. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. He's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. But they are, uh, and they are they which testify of me. They did not have the New Testament at that point in time. He's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking specifically of the Old, of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is what testifies. The New Testament does also. But he is speaking specifically of the Old Testament. The Old Testament testifies of the Lord Christ. It speaks of him explicitly. Come to the book of Hebrews. And we'll spend much time in the book of Hebrews this morning. You've probably heard me say it before, but the book of Hebrews is one of my most... all All the books of the Bible are fantastic. But the book of Hebrews is one of my favorite. Revelation exalts the Lord Jesus more than any other book. And it is my opinion that the book of Hebrews is a close second. That the book of Hebrews exalts the Lord Jesus Christ almost like none other. Hebrews 10 and verse 7. Citing Psalm 40 and verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. You read in the context... Paul, and it is the Apostle Paul that wrote this, that the Lord used to write this. He, he's, he's applying Psalm 40 in verse 7, not to David, not to, not to whoever the psalmist was, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that the whole volume of the book, the whole roll of the scroll is written about. Jesus is the center point of the Bible. He is the one that the New Testament points back to and the Old Testament pointed forward to. He is the one that is discussed on every page. You can find him in every passage. He is, he is the one that is most exalted in the word of God. It is most certainly not man. It isn't any other creature. It is the only begotten son of God. So as we have noted, the sacrifices, the, holy priest and his, the, the high priest and his holy garments, and the veil, let us go backwards through those points with the understanding that there must be something about the Lord Christ in those passages. The, uh, the blood sacrifice and the scapegoat were pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. It took that much to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. God couldn't and didn't want to get it done in just one sacrifice. The blood sacrifice and the scapegoat, it took to picture the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the scapegoat and the, the, the goat, the, the sacrifices for the people? God basically got to choose what his sacrifice was, which one was his sacrifice. We, we sing that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written, written by Martin Luther. And he was right on this, on this point. A man of God's own choosing. A man of God's own choosing. Christ is a man. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, he is the God-man. He is truly God and truly man. He is our mediator. He is our mediator. Hebrews chapter 8. We'll begin to see 
how those passages applied to the Lord Christ. Chapter 8 and verse 1 of the book of Hebrews. Now the things which we have spoken, Hebrews 1 through, through 7, the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, or this is, this is a summary of what has been spoken. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. He isn't set in Moses', in Moses seat. He isn't set on earth. He isn't an earthly high priest. He is set on the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. Verse 5, the priests, the, the sanctuary, uh, and, and the priests that the Lord commanded Moses to have, and the high priest which, which ordained offering gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer Christ. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve. Those priests, the Mosaic priests, the, 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 the Levitical priesthood, serve as the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. God made sure to tell Moses, you don't get to have liberty in what I've told you to build. You build it exactly as I told you to build it. You remember when, when Moses smote the first rock and water came gushing out? You remember when Moses smote the second rock? What happened to him? What was he supposed to do with that second rock? Speak softly. That's right. He was supposed to speak softly. But because in his anger and haste with the Israelite, the, the hardness of the heart of the people of Israel, he got angry and he did not sanctify the Lord God in his eyes. And he smote the rock instead of speaking softly to it. What happened to him? He was not allowed to lead the people into the promised land. Do you know who, was, who led the people into the promised land? His Hebrew name is Yehoshua. You know whose Hebrew name is also Yehoshua? Jesus. A picture that Moses, the law, he's the, law, he's the mediator of the law covenant. A picture that the law could not bring us into the promised land. But a man by the name of Yehoshua does. He is the one that gets to bring us into the promised land. Exactly why the Lord said, build everything exactly as I told you. Because they serve a purpose. They serve a purpose. They testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. They point to him. Verse 8. For finding fault with them, he saith, finding fault with the Israelites, finding fault in them that they could not keep the covenant. He, say, he saith, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 31, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, continuing that citation of Jeremiah 31, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. What do you mean by that? You know, under the law covenant, it was based on what they did. It was based on the eloquency of the preacher. 
It was based on how well they could force people to understand. You know, now it is not based upon the eloquency of the preacher, which I praise God for. I praise God that, it, that he can draw a straight line. I was discussing with Brother J.C. and Brother Michael last night. God draws a straight line with a crooked stick every day. And it's a good thing he does that because that's all he's working with. That's all he's got is crooked sticks. It isn't up to us to determine that people know the Lord. Why? For all shall know me. All in the covenant shall know the Lord. From the least to the greatest. For, because I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, will I remember no more. Praise God for that very thing. That's the one thing that the Lord forgets. That's the one thing that the Lord forgets is our sin. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of our works. Not because of our righteousnesses, which are but filthy rags, we're told in Isaiah. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the blood sacrifice. Because he is the scapegoat that took our sin so far from us into a land not inhabited that it says removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Praise God for that work. Praise God for that work. What he has done on our behalf of people, a weak and beggarly people. Come to chapter 9 and verse 23. I think, I think you're seeing why, why I love the book of Hebrews. It is so definite. And what the Lord Christ has done on our behalf. Verse 23 of chapter 9. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. The, 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 sacri- the, uh, the blood. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than, those, than these, uh, the things under the Mosaic Covenant. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. He isn't entered into the Mosaic holy place. He's not entered into what Moses made or what Solomon made or what was rebuilt in Nehemiah. He he has entered, uh, which are the figures of the true. Remember, God told him, build exactly what I've told you. He said the same thing to David. He gave David the the plans to build the temple. But, But he said to David, you won't build it because you're a bloody man. Your son will build it. David then gave the plans to Solomon, who then built the temple. But unto heaven, into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians. You, you, Christ has gone to appear in, the, in the, most, the true most holy place in the heaven for us. Because he's our mediator. He is our mediator. He is the one who, who mediates for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. He doesn't offer himself often. For then must he have suffered often, he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, one time, in the end of the world, do you know that we're, we've been in the last days since Christ ascended? We've been in the last days, the last dispensation. There is nothing after. There's no, this, this world will be completely changed when Christ returns. We've been in the last days since Christ ascended. First John references these last days. We've been in these last days, the last dispensation of this world as we know it, since the ascension of our Lord Christ. I believe we're in the last days of the last days. For in the latter days, in the latter times, men shall heap to themselves teachers, 
having itching ears and, and, and all of those things that we're, that we're familiar with. But this last time, at the, at the end of the world, the last dispensation, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of bullocks and goats and, no, of himself, of himself. He is that sacrifice. He is the one that those sacrifices pointed to. And it is appointed, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins, not all, of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I thought we were already saved. We are. It's talking about the full redemption of the purchased possession. We have been purchased body, soul, and spirit. Our spirit, as we discussed this morning, our spirit is saved. Our soul is being saved as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our body will be saved at His appearing. We, we will be created, the, the full redemption, the full deliverance. Salvation is a deliverance. We have been delivered from not only from the penalty of sin, but also from its power, and we will one day be delivered from its presence. This salvation at his second, uh, the second time, his second coming, will be unto that full deliverance. Come to chapter 10, verse 1, the next verse. Ver, uh, uh, chapter and verse are not original. They are added by men for our reference. It makes, it makes things easy, but occasionally we, we try and split the thoughts. But this thought is continued. For the law... The Mosaic law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. When there's a shadow, what else is there? There's a real thing casting that shadow. A, the, not the, the, the law is the shadow. It's not the very image. It's not the physical thing that's casting the shadow. It's not the very image of the things. Can never with those sacrifices which are offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The sacrifices offered in the Old Testament could never take away sin. They could never take away sin. If you continue reading that chapter, we don't, for time's sake, I won't, I won't continue reading, but just want to show you verse 14. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. They could make a covering for it within the Mosaic Covenant context, but they could never save. They could never save. They would delay judgment for a time. Until, until the, the Lord was displeased enough that he would bring judgment, that he would cause judgment to fall. Bring those curses that he promised to bring. That's a promise. Just as he promised to bless, it's the same, it's the same promise that he made to curse if they would not walk in his ways. 10.14, for by one offering, not many, not time, not once, a, not once a day, not once a week, Christ isn't sacrificed afresh every time the Mass is given. He, is not, he, he will never be offered again. One time, once, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, them that are set apart, those that were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, those that the Father gave to him in the everlasting covenant. The, the new covenant, as it, is, uh, as it is mentioned here, that new covenant that we read about, the citation from Jeremiah 31, that is the everlasting covenant. That is the covenant made in eternity past between Christ and his Father concerning us. That is, what, that is what we are the ones referenced here, the ones that are set apart unto God, given unto Christ. That one offering, he perfected us. 
he made us, he saved us in the offering of himself. Just as the goat was uh, pictured him in the shedding of blood, sprinkling of its blood before the mercy seat seven times. Completion. It is finished, he declared. John 19.30. And the scapegoat, taking away our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. That pictured what he did for us exactly. It took the two sacrifices to, make, to, to, to paint the full picture. Well, what about the bullock? Christ had no sin. He didn't need an offering for himself. He didn't need an offering. He didn't have to do anything for himself. He himself had no sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us. Our sin imputed unto him that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not my, that's not potential. That's actual. That it actually happened. Christ actually accomplished our salvation. Just as those sacrifices pictured perfectly. Seven times, number of completion. Did you, do you remember the smoke appearing on the mercy seat? The glory of God, as he said, my glory shall appear there. How do we know the glory of God? Second Corinthians 4.6, in the face of Jesus Christ. We're shown the glory of God in the face, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It all pictures Jesus. He is our mercy seat. He's the glory of God that we have knowledge of. He's the sacrifice. He's the, he, he's the scapegoat that, t- that took away our sin from us. Oh, what, what a precious truth that is. Just to show you, it's not just in the book of Hebrews. Come to 1 Peter. I must, I, I must hasten to finish, finish this message. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, all the epistles written in the New Testament, are written to God's people. They are, they are always, uh, the greeting is always to the faithful in Christ Jesus, to the saints, to those called to be saints, to those faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ, so on and so forth. So when he says this, he's speaking to Christians, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed, bought back, redeemed is what, is, is what that means, purchased back, with corruptible things, As silver and gold, yes, silver and gold are corruptible. They will perish with this world. For your vain conversation received by, uh, from your vain conversation, that is manner of life, what you, how you walked in this life, received by traditions from, by tradition from your fathers. That is, they were taught these things, not only of themselves, but those around them. Fathers, people didn't have multiple fathers. I understand that our world has gone just completely bananas. It's not talking about an individual's fathers. It's talking about their teachers, the ones who have taught them to do these things. But, contrast, with the precious blood of Christ, that's what we're redeemed with. As, a, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He is the one that all of the sacrifices pointed towards. He is the one pictured throughout the Old Testament. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Christ. 
is that sacrifice. Christ is what all of the sacrifices pictured and pointed towards in a complete and entire sense. He is our sacrifice. Not only that, he is also our high priest. Come back, uh, come back to John chapter 17. Do you remember the garments? Whenever go, the high priest would go into the, go into the tabernacle, he would take off his garments that were for glory and for beauty and set them aside. And he would put on the linen breeches and the linen garments that were more common. They were not as ornate as his normal attire. He would put them on, still holy, still undefiled, then perform his sacrifice. Then, after the sacrifice, put back, take those off, put those, garments, put those ornate garments for glory and for beauty back on. Our Lord Jesus Christ did the same thing. He did the, same, he did the very same thing. He had garments that were for, that he was all glorious. He was all beautiful. And he veiled that glory. He veiled that glory in his flesh. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? When his glory shone through his flesh, his face was as bright as the sun, and his garments were, were whiter than any fuller could make. Any, any clothing maker could ever bleach garments to get that white. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Here, John 17, 5, he asks for that to be given back. John 17 and verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Before the world was, he was glorified with his Father, with our Father. He had garments for glory and for beauty. And he, through his poverty, we might be made rich. We sing that hymn, Ivory Palaces. Out of ivory palaces came he into a world of woe for us. I don't think it, it doesn't actually say for us there, but that's what he that's the reason he came. That's the reason he came. He came on our behalf for us. Philippians. Come to come to Philippians. We've examined this passage in the past. Philippians chapter two and verse six. We'll we'll get verse five for context. Paul exhorts the Philippians, let this mind this way of thinking, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, look not every man to his, own, to his own things, but every man also to the things of others, to the things of his brethren. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here is the perfect example, the best example of humility, of, of thinking of others above yourself. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was God. So it wasn't robbery for him to say, I am God. How many times did he say that in the New Testament? And the Jews missed it. And the Jews missed well, Actually, no, they didn't. Excuse me. They didn't miss it. People today miss it. But the Jews didn't miss it. They wanted to stone him for blasphemy. They didn't think he was God. But though he was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself... He did it himself. He wasn't forced. He didn't have to, other than the fact that he stood our surety in the everlasting covenant. 
Other than that, there wasn't anything in and, of our, in and of us that forced him to do it other than our adding the sin that, that caused us to need to be saved, made himself of no reputation. What does that imply? That he had the highest reputation before, making himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. That is, in the things he did, he looked like a servant. All that he did, do you remember he said, I came not to minister, or not to be ministered to, but to minister. He came to take care of his people. Even after his resurrection, when in John 21, when they come to the beach, what has he done? Made breakfast for them. They should have been serving him, but instead, he still, to this day, is serving us. What a, what a great God we serve. And, and was made in the likeness of men. Now, he was a man. He had flesh and blood. But he was not exactly like you and I. Those common garments were still holy. He himself, undefiled, did never knew sin. He that knew no sin. His testing wasn't to show us, oh, he's capable of sinning, but he didn't. No, his testing was to show us that he could not sin, that we may trust in him. He is a he, he tempted, likewise as ourselves. We'll we'll get to that in just a moment. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I'll, we'll we'll finish this passage and we'll move there. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he despised the shame, but yet for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. For us. He did all of that for us. He is our high priest. He is the one who, who ever lives to make intercession on our behalf. It is he who took off his glorious garments and set them aside and put on the more common garments made in the likeness of men and offered his sacrifice of himself and afterward put back on, took, the, took that common garment off and put on Put back on those garments for glory and for beauty. He did not empty himself of that deity. It is not possible that God cannot, can become not God. He humbled himself. He became obedient. He, he made himself of no reputation. That is, he made himself of low stature. He had no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He did all of that for us though he was, he was of the highest stature previous to that, uh, previous to coming into the world in that nature. Hebrews, back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 17. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful High priest, he is our high priest, in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself, he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or to help them that are tempted. He has been tempted. Come, come, to, the, come to chapter 4. We'll see, that, we'll see that very point. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest... That is passed into the heavens. For some context, the book of Hebrews 
is written during a time when Hebrew Christians are being tempted, being told, come back to the temple. Come back to the Jewish tradition. We have a temple. We have this big, glorious building that God dwells in. We have a high priest. He offers sacrifices for you. He's a man. He can help you with the things that you need help with. You can come and talk to him. We have these other priests that can help you. We have, we have all of these things. We've got the sacrifices. You Christians have nothing. The Jewish tradition was nothing but shadow. It all pointed to our high priest. Here, an apologetic, a reason against that. Don't go back. There's nothing to go back to. We have a high priest, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. He's not, a, oh, you're, you're high priest, Christian. He's not here. You can't see him. You can't talk with him. But he's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast. Let us not go back into, what, into the pictures and the shadows. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. That is, we have a high priest that can be touched. It's a double negative. We, we have a high priest that can be touched with, our, with the feeling of our infirmities, with our weaknesses. Why? But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Their high priest is sinful. He can't help you. He can't help you not be sinful. But our high priest, who's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, he was tempted just like every one of us, yet without sin. He can help. Just as I told the children last night, he is the one. I, I tell you little children no, uh, that no man should sin. But if a man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have, we have a helper. We have a comforter. We have a strengthener with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is our helper. He is the one that can actually help, for vain is the help of man. But blessed is he that trusteth in the Lord. We have a high priest that can help. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. To help in time of need. We can come to that throne of grace, into the Holy of Holies, for that was also in the Holy of Holies, because of what Christ did. Because he is our high priest. Because he is the one who offered that sacrifice. He is the one that the, that, that the smoke foretold. He is the mercy seat. He is the one that covered the broken law. His blood is what covers the broken law. For every high priest, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is also compassed with, with infirmity. The, 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 the Mosaic high priest, he can, he can understand, I'm a sinner too. I'm a sinner too. So he can have compassion on that. But you know, he can't actually help with that. He can't strengthen you. He can't work in you. But Jesus can. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. That's why he had to offer the bullock. Because he himself is compassed with infirmity. He himself is compassed with sin. That's why he had to offer 
the bull for himself. Christ did not have to have an offering for himself. He had no sin. And no man taketh this honor to himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made in high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Do you know Christ did not glorify himself? But his father glorified him. That's why he asked his father, Father, glorify thou me with the glory I had with thee before the world was. Christ said, I have power, I will lay down my life, and I have power to take it again. But he didn't. His father did it. He trusted his father in everything. He's still trusting his father to this day. Do you know that it is his father that is putting his enemies under his feet? It is his father. He's still trusting his father to perform that end of the covenant that he promised to perform. He, is, he has the power to do it himself. But he is trusting his father in every way. He is our perfect example that we should walk in his steps, trusting our Lord God for everything, which is exactly what he did. He did not glorify himself to be made in high priest, but his father, the one who said, thou art my son. His father did that very thing. He is our faithful high priest. So we have seen that he is the blood sacrifice and the scapegoat. That he is our high priest and that he, just as the high priest on the Day of Atonement, changed his garments, changed his appearance for that very purpose to a more common appearance and then put back on those more ornate garments, but also the veil. We noted the veil and that it separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. The, come to, as I mentioned previously, just so you can see it, come to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4 and verse 6, that cloud that covered the mercy seat, that the, that the glory of God would appear in. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is how we know the knowledge of the glory of God. It's in the face of Christ. Hebrews 10, 20. We see explicitly what that veil represented. That, that, that incense that was offered within the veil is what pictured that very thing. Hebrews 10 and verse 20. We'll get verse 19 for context. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That is the holiest, the holy of holies in the heavens. By a new and living way as opposed to a dead and old way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. The veil was a picture of Christ's flesh. What happened when he died to the veil? It was rent in twain, rent, ripped in two from top to bottom when he died, signifying that the way was made manifest. That the way was made obvious. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. When He died, when His flesh was rent in twain, that veil was, ripped in, was rent in twain, was ripped in two. Thus making the way known to His people. That the way had been made. That the way is known unto His people. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an, evil con from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Christ 
in every way was pictured in the Day of Atonement, from the veil, from the high priest and the changing of the garments, to even the sacrifices and the, and the way that they were offered, the, the, the goat for the people, the blood of the goat for the people and the scapegoat. That is exactly what he accomplished on our behalf. Just as the Lord said in John 5.39, the Old Testament is all about our Lord Jesus Christ. He is a faithful high priest and our only sacrifice. The only, the one-time offering of our Lord Jesus Christ saved us completely. The only one that we'll ever need. Come to the chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews and I'll close. I apologize, I've gone a, a, little, a little long. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry or many, many times and in divers' manners or in various manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. God in the Old Testament spoke by the prophets. Hath in these last days, there's another reference to these last days, spoken unto us by his son, the ultimate prophet. He is a prophet and he is a priest and he is a king. All of those picture him also, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. One thing else to note, how much working did the high priest have to do on the day of atonement? Go in, offer the sacrifice and the incense and, and then another sacrifice and spread it on the altar and, and flick it seven times. He had to constantly work of all the furniture in the temple and the tabernacle. You do not find a chair. You do not find a couch. You don't find a bed. Constantly working. His feet must have been tired. They didn't have the, the really comfortable orthotics that we have today. His feet must have been tired after all of that working. But our high priest, what did he do after his sacrifice? He sat down. Why? Because it is finished. Because the work is complete. There is no more offering. There is no more need for him to continue to work. His, the fact that he ever lives is what makes intercession. Think of it this way. His blood is continually spilt. You can think of it in that manner. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness in a, in a temporal, timely sense. He's done it once for all on the cross. And his ever living makes intercession on our behalf. Anytime the devil would accuse the brethren, for he is called the accuser of the brethren in the book of the Revelation, I believe chapter 12. He is called the one that accuses the brethren day and night. Anytime he says, God, what about Abraham? What about David? What about Bryant? Wicked men. All he has to do is say, my son. My son. Amen. Amen. All he has to do is say, my son ever lives to make intercession for them. What a great God and Savior we have. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high because his work is finished. Let's bow before him. Our Father and our God, we thank you. For the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that he is, in fact, 